everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we are more likely to be elected president of the United States than win a $500 million Powerball jackpot. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is still not as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avrami. Hey, Avram. How's it going? It's good. By the way, I brought you a gift. I like gifts. <laughs> you didn't even ask me what it was. You just wanted to share that you like gifts. I brought you. Want to know what I brought you? Sure. I brought you tea. Herbal, <laughs> a box of herbal tea. Which kind of herbal tea? You know, like an assorted box. Oh, very nice. There you go. See? <laughs> the boy who exists on bread and water alone now has something to add to his hot I water. I did bring some tea biscuits. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, so that really worked out well. Yeah, so it's in the other room, so enjoy. And by the way, one other improvement I'm going to make here at the studio, I told Nahum just the other day, was I'm buying him kumkum, which for those people who don't know what they, that is, it's an electric kettle, but in Israel they call it a kumkum. So I'm buying one of those also, and I, I'm, I'm waiting for Nahum to make some kind of a comment of, like, you don't really live here, but... Uh, An Israeli one, or... If I could buy... Well, then we'd have to change the whole place to 220, so that's really not going to work. You can't work. get an adapter? What do I need? I need to just get, a, like, a rival, you know, crockpot kind of hot water thingy. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. So anyway, that's my... Uh, that'll be my gift to you. This, the tea bags are just the uh, precursor, the, the appetizer to the hot water pot. And then we'll be able to make our own coffee as well. I know. And all right, so listen, if you, and all that tru- <laughs> if you go to all that trouble, I'll bring in the coffee. Uh, okay, but you have to imagine that I'm not going to just drink garbage. Well, we don't want to disparage anyone by saying which company is or is not garbage Well, did uh, I the mention air. anybody on the air? No. <laughs> we'll have to discuss which one you okay, are. Okay, fine. We'll have to do some research off air. Anyway, if you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break for your, from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us a part of your day. And by the way, um, if you won anything in the Powerball the other night, last night, um, call us. We'd like to become friends. Anyway, if Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Rachel Schloss does. Visit me on my blog at yourthatslife.com. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at nachumsiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I'm not being rude, not about this at least. Just being honest, I will please God make sure to get back to you afterwards. Let's go to our favorite segment. You know what this, oh, I was about to say, you know what this noise means, but it's just me getting the bag off the floor. You know what this noise means? It's time for our favorite segment. By the way, you should know that I um, I visited the office of Mayor Fertig the other day, and um, I brought fortune cookies, and our fortune cookies were so spot on, Avram, it was like Confucius is a genius kind of a moment. Anyway, here we go. Let's see what we have today. Oh, for the love of Pete, hope springs eternally in the human heart. No, don't nod and smile. I mean, come on, be original. You know how many times I've heard something like that? Give me a break. That was a disappointment. I may have to open another one. Anyway, let's take care of some business. Today's national holidays. Number one, it is Electronic Greeting Day. I have no idea what that means. What uh, An Electronic Greeting Day. I don't, I don't completely get it. Throw out your leftovers day. Frankly... It's Thursday, so if your leftovers from Shabbos are still in your fridge, bad, bad move. It's also Square Dance Day. Hey, no, nothing, nothing. Avram's not into it. And um, 
according to the calendar, it's the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. I can proudly say I'm not supporting that day, but if you look at the news lately, it seems that the French are, as they are supporting the Palestinian bid for statehood in the UN. So I imagine that this is being celebrated there. Frankly, I'm not having any part of it here. I just Maybe they'll it. have their leftovers together. <laughs> we wish them all the best. Anyway, you are listening to That's Life here at the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. I need to tell you the funny story that happened to me, by the way, at the Apple Store. Um, I was one of the crazy people who showed up at the Apple Store over the holiday weekend, not because I had intended on taking part in the um, Black Friday madness, because I really hadn't, but my iPad broke. And I use my iPad for work, as a lot of people do, so I needed to make an appointment and get it fixed. Unfortunately, of course, you could not fix it. It is irreparable, and I needed to replace it, which is a whole other story for another day. But anyway, I'm online at the checkout counter, the express checkout counter, which was only good for iPads and iPods. I'm like, wow, I live in a society where there's an express checkout counter because people are buying these left and right. Anyway, neither here nor there. I look at the woman, the uh, you know, every Apple employee wears these bright red shirts, and they have great name tags. I look at the name tag, and it says Miriam. I'm like, all right, you know, a kinship with somebody behind the, and we can talk about how much our names are butchered, blah, blah, blah. So I said Slow to, down the line a lot. Yeah, be that person. <laughs> anyway, so I say to her, hey, you know, my name is also Miriam. I said, do people butcher your name all the time? And she says, my name is Miram. <laughs> I'm like, what? It didn't have the second I. It was M-I-R-A-M. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. <laughs> so she says to me, so, yes, people butcher my name all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I said, oh, you know, that's funny because my name is Miriam. And she's like, right, people call me Miriam all the time. That's not my name. I said, okay. So she, like, I thought that we were going to have this whole bonding moment. It didn't happen. It totally backfired. So I, she said to me, where are, you, where, where are you from? Where's your origin? I'm like, Long Island. So she said, no, I mean before that. And I said, oh, Israeli. And so she said, I'm Egyptian. And she said, but everyone always thinks my name is Miriam. She goes, I answer to that. I said, I answer to Mary. <laughs> so she said to me, you do? I said, that's my Starbucks name. So she looks at me. She goes, I use Miriam as my Starbucks name. I'm like, okay, you know what? This conversation is totally not going the way I expected to. So um, I got my iPad and left. Anyway. Can I just tell you how out of touch I am with modern technology when you started that story, and you oh no, said, you thought it was an Apple you store. Said they the sold Apple, Apple store. No. I I promise you, no. I envisioned in my head a fruit store, <laughs> and I was wondering why you called it an Apple store. Oh my gosh, I'm out of touch. Oh, that is that is adorable. That is adorable. Wow. Okay, you know what? That's really funny. Avram, and it's not only a funny story. That's not only a funny anecdote. It's funny that you just shared that on the air. It's it's. It's something I have to my show mom, people my human side, not just my not being here side. It's something my mom would say, by the way. I'm old. Yeah, you might you might just be. Anyway, you're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream here at jmnam.org and nachumsegel.com. I am Miriam L. Wallach, and we are ready to introduce our first guest. Joanna Shebson, the brains and the CEO behind funinjerusalem.com, joins us, joins us, oh, something wrong with my teeth already, joins us from Jerusalem. Happy Thursday evening, Joanna. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank God. Thank God. I guess I, you know, one of the reasons I asked you to join me today is to find out what happens when the fun in Jerusalem is not so much fun while there are sirens going on. Um, actually, it's a great question because 
I was I was floored by the amount of emails we got asking us for advice, for, you know, locals asking us for advice on safety, on where they could get reimbursements for money they lost when they couldn't work in the South. Um, people really? really turning to to us to say, what could they do? Really? And we we had a lot of museums and attractions contact us and tell us, you know, we've got free admission for people, for families from the South. Please advertise it. Let them know that they should come. It was a really heartwarming experience. Wow. Wow. So people were, so so businesses, shopkeepers, people with activities who were, who are usually, let's say, centers or destinations for people to go and spend their afternoons were actually calling you and saying, please get the word out. Yes, definitely. Almost every museum and public attraction in Jerusalem had a special offer, whether it was free entrance for Southern families or um, special activities. Beit Avichai had a full day full of just moon bounces that Southern families should just come and, and relax and kind of take some time off from the sirens. So the irony was when the siren went off in Jerusalem right. and those families were on the moon bounces, but that was, you know, just that happened twice. Right. Well, I was about to say twice in Jerusalem is still, you know, insane and crazy for so many reasons. But twice for these families from the south is probably like, oh, only twice. Yes, I definitely. I mean, the, you could see that the kids were way more relaxed. My son is actually in a gun and there were two kids who were added to his gun for the week. Two families that had moved wow. up from the south and they, through the municipality, they, they placed them in different local ganim. Wow, that's incredible. For people who don't know, Fun in Jerusalem, in short, provides what? Fun in Jerusalem provides everything a tourist needs to know, who, a tourist who is coming to Jerusalem with their family needs to know. So the, um, so the irony then became that you had people from the south who were coming to Jerusalem. Were they also calling you and saying, we're being dislocated? Um, we, we need to relocate for a while. Is there, what can we do? Yeah, definitely. We put up a post on our homepage all about all the different activities that they could do to entertain their kids because many of these families, as hard as it is to believe, many of them have not spent large amounts of time in Jerusalem. I met this one father who was coming up and relocating to stay in a friend of ours in their house, and I literally had to meet him at the highway and drive him to her house because he had no idea where Emek Shaim was. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's, well, first of all, I mean, that's a classic Israel story of you meeting a total stranger <laughs> at the Knisala Ir and having to, or, you know, the opening to the city or the, intra, the uh, entrance to the city and having to drive them to a location instead of them being able to figure it out or getting a map. True. And tell me about it. When I handed him the key to her apartment, I thought to myself, wow, what incredible trust. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is a classic, classic Story. I also have to imagine, by the way, you have you you and your family made Aliyah a number of years ago, but you're not a long term um, or a long standing, I should say, um, Jerusalemite. Do you still consider yourself an Oleh Hadash or an Allah Hadash? Hadasha? Somewhere in between, I would say. I feel really grounded and settled here. At the same time, I know that, you know, there are parts of me that are still very American, but. Um, the feeling, as strange as it is, when the sirens were going off, was not a feeling of, I've got to get back to America. It was a feeling of, I've got to stay here. Wow. So let's talk about that for a second. I, I would love for our listeners to be able to hear your reaction, just so that people know. How many years ago did you make Aliyah? 
We made Aliyah five and a half years ago from Los Angeles. From Los Angeles. So your kids were born here or or with you or there? Two of my kids were born in America. Um, my oldest came when he was three. So he's basically grown up here, and our baby girl was born here. So she's a Saba. So they, for all intents and purposes, they are Israeli, perfect Hebrew, perfect English. Well, some might say not that they don't speak a perfect English, but as close as you can get. Right. And, um, you know, to them, I was driving carpool today, and one of my son's friends who's also American says, it was Lomi Tragesh, which means basically the sirens, they didn't affect me. Wow. It was really incredible, yeah. And then you as a parent or you as an Oleh Hadash, like, you know, that must have been a real juxtaposition between the way I imagine I would have reacted and then the resilience of a child. Yes, definitely. My kids were, we first of all, they get very prepared by their teachers and by their friends know what's happening because their friends have parents in the army. And my kids, as soon as the siren went off, my husband and I were shocked looked at our kids and just said, oh, it's a test. Let's see how fast you can get downstairs to the safe room. And our kids were like, okay, we know what to do. Wow. And it's really, really incredible how, what a difference it made that they were prepared and that we weren't shielding them from the truth. We weren't lying to them about, obviously, we told them it was a test because we ourselves didn't know that first time. Wow. But we weren't, you know, they knew exactly what was going on. They were watching the news with us. And they, it, for them, luckily, they weren't traumatized that's um that i i it renders me it renders me speechless considering how young your kids are and just you know how young my kids are and how i know that if something you know if we were in a similar situation i mean losing power on long island and and being in and being displaced etc is nothing obviously at least from my point of view compared to having bombs flying overhead and having sirens and having to go into a safe room and I know how we reacted here and how, you know, the resilience of my kids to a certain extent, but it's really striking in comparison to that story. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the second time the siren went off, it was during school time, but it was actually after school hours when they had some extracurriculars. And luckily I had said to my son, if you ever hear a siren when you're in school and you're waiting for carpool or you're somewhere where you're not with your teacher, you know you have to turn around and get yourself to the safe room and I'll find you. And sure enough, he went, he didn't even wait for the teacher of the extracurricular activity. He ran straight to the safe room, and I was so proud of him wow. that he had listened to, you know, to what I had told him. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Can you just describe for a second what your safe room looks like? Our safe room is actually, looks like a normal room down in the basement. It will one day be a potential guest room. <laughs> and um, luckily, on Friday afternoon before the first siren, I just had this feeling like I'm going to clean out the safe room because it looked more like a storage closet. And it kept a, a lot of our toys. And I just kind of cleaned it out, made sure there were toys in there, some water, some food, a, a radio, um, a flashlight. And so when it all happened, we went down to a really nice room full of toys, and the kids just played. Wow. And, we, you know, we waited. We were told to wait 10 minutes. So we waited down there for 10 minutes, and then we slowly came back upstairs. Wow. How, is, um, how has life for your kids changed back or changed, um, I don't even know if the word is completely back, since uh, the ceasefire? Um, it's, I wouldn't, it, my kids didn't notice a major difference. Um, I was, of course, more concerned every time I had to leave the house and take them somewhere and drop them by themselves somewhere because right. they, they do, especially my eight-year-old, he's, he does a lot of things independently, so I will drop him off at his Taekwondo class and come back later to pick him up. And during the week of the war, I wa made sure to walk him in and stay there with him. 
Mm. But um, now they're back to their normal routine and going to their going to school and going to their extracurriculars. And uh, in fact, my five-year-old, the morning after the ceasefire, we were all talking, and then the word ceasefire came up, and he said, "Is there a ceasefire? Nobody told me." <laughs> As if he should and be we included. We couldn't believe we had forgotten to tell him. <laughs> That's hysterical. So he was still on this uh, the state of readiness, so to speak. Yeah. Also, you have to understand that the teachers' focus is on the strength of the army and on the Iron Dome and how successful it was. And my five-year-old knew more about the Iron Dome than I knew. Wow. So he was telling us stories Friday night of don't worry if any, you know, missiles go to Tel Aviv, there's an Iron Dome there, it'll catch them. That's, um, wow, that's that's pretty incredible. How old is he again? He is just, he, actually today's his birthday, he just turned six. Oh, Yom Huladat Sameach. That is, that, that's, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. I mean, I know that in my house, we were um, preventing or we were limiting the amount of conversations that we were having in front of our younger children and just having them with our older children because, you know, they're, they're, it was just too traumatic. And we were on edge living in Woodmere and hearing and going into Shabbos and not being able to know if anything had happened for 25 hours, et cetera, that it's just remarkable to me how but i mean but that's that's raising that's raising a child in israel who is faced obviously with different challenges and of course god bless different opportunities and and mazel but but different challenges than we are here yeah he's gonna bump into his friend in gun whose father is dropping him off in his army uniform you know you can't keep these types of things a secret from your children here in israel like it's everywhere it's everywhere you go but we we gave them the information they needed. We told them how to protect themselves. We really felt like, in this case, having a safe room and knowing we had a minute and a half to get down to the safe room was enough time. And, you know, my heart goes out to those in Sterot who have 15 seconds. And right. basically, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Sterot, they lived in their safe rooms for the last week. They, they couldn't leave. Maybe there was 10-minute break or 15-minute break between sirens. And that, I I also, even though I'm Israeli and I live here, I could not imagine that. No, and I, I know that when um, you and I had spoken, while um, while things were still going on, while while obviously life was very tense, you had mentioned to me over the phone that there was something about the power of radio that really never occurred to you beforehand, but then you really appreciated once you kept on hearing Seva Adom over over your radio. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I listened to Galgalats, which is just kind of modern. Um, music and in it they didn't actually stop the song they would just lower the volume of the song they'd announce savadom ashton savadom ashkelon exactly where it was happening and then the song would continue and it was incredibly powerful you realized how often the sirens were going off for them you you really understood what they were going through wow it was really it was incredible that is yes well we you know sometimes we appreciate the power of radio here Especially when we're missing it and where our transmitters are down, and we're not able to uh, we're not able to broadcast. But um, it's nice when it's around. You're listening to That's Life. I am Miriam El Wallach, joined by Joanna Shebson, uh, CEO and founder of FunInJerusalem.com, which provides families with all these fun events when they come as tourists to Jerusalem, whether they're coming from the south or they're coming from New York. Either way, they're coming as tourists. Um, tell exactly. me, tell me about some of the families that you met who came from the south and where they're staying. So actually, there's a fantastic story. There's a large apartment building just down the street from us that was just recently built, and there were about 11 apartments that were still not sold. 
and it's a complex full of young, uh, happens to be young religious families, this complex, and the owners of the building decided to give their 11 apartments over to families from the south. I don't know how they decided who would take them. I think they, they partnered up with an organization. But these apartments had no appliances, no fridge, no oven, no beds, nothing. And within a day, they managed to get the basics together. They opened up a tea room for them. Oh. They sent out an email to all of the people living in the tower saying, make sure to invite these families for Shabbos or for play dates. And it was like an incredible experience. Wow. Wow. That is, that's beautiful. That is. And even, even to add to that, and I promise this is a real true story. There was one family where the wife was um, in her last weeks of pregnancy and she came. The building is called Ganet Sion and it's named after the builder whose name is Sion. And um, she had a baby while she was staying in this apartment. And she, they decided to name the baby Sion. Oh, Nice. I got the chills telling that. I was story. about to say. <laughs> I was just about to say you gave me the chills. That's beautiful. That's really that's really incredible. So tell me what's going on. What fun in Jerusalem is taking place right now? So we're gearing up for Hanukkah. Right. Um, they there's lots and lots of activity. Every museum has special kids activities. There's a candle lit scavenger hunt in the old city. There's an olive oil workshop at the Chai Farm in near Moshav Modi'in. Um, lots of Hanukkah-themed events, and then some just plain out fun, like jeeping and ATVing and ropes courses. I know that somebody I, somebody I know um, had contacted you about going rappelling, and your response was, well, I'm sorry, but our rappelling expert was called up to the Army. That's life here in Israel. <laughs> yes, it's exact, that's exactly what happened. And she was here for a family bar mitzvah. And they had, uh, you know, had a booking in advance, months and months in advance, but she was very understanding. And then uh, as soon as she heard about the ceasefire, I got an email right away, has he come back yet? <laughs> but um, our repelling guide is so fabulous that I'm sure he has some very important position in the Army because he did not come back right away. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Was, Were I they... can just imagine him repelling into different places. I mean, he's he's very talented. Were there other activities? Were there other events that were, were um, sidelined, so to speak, because whoever was running it was called up? Um, that one was really the only one. The scavenger hunts were run by um, people that continued to run them, and even through the sirens, they still continue to do them in Nachlaod and in the Old City. Wow. Um, so most of the other activities continued as usual. That is, but you know, it, it is interesting. People were call, emailing and asking about different activity ideas for December and for January, and, and it was very hard during the time of the war to be planning for them. I felt this, you know, great responsibility of I don't know what's going to be coming. I don't know how long this war is going to last. Um, but people were there was still a steady stream of emails and people still planning their trips and not canceling. Wow, that's well, that's also great. Thank God. How are businesses like yours, or how are other businesses in the area getting back on track? Um, I think that's the beauty of Israelis is they get back on track, you know, a couple minutes after something happens. And, you know, God forbid we don't want something to happen, but as soon as the ceasefire came through, um, people were – when you'd walk on the street, you had a sense – there wasn't a sense of relief. There was a sense of, well, this is just a ceasefire for now, and we don't know when, you know, something will happen again. But yet Israelis went straight back into normal life. That is – yes, I would would agree with you that that is definitely part of – Israeli resilience. I think that my aunt who lives in Jerusalem said something to the effect of, we're not wired differently. We're just raised differently. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because, I, I mean, there's nothing different about, obviously, I was raised in America, so there's nothing different about me. It's just you're very affected by your surroundings, and the strength of a local Israeli is incredible. You know, as soon as, as the sirens went off, the first person I wanted to talk to was someone who's just grown up here and is just used to it, who's just so calming and said, this is, this is what has to happen, this is what happens, and we hope for the best. And I have to imagine that the last people you wanted to hear, of, hear from were the people in Los Angeles who wanted you to come back. Right. <laughs> Thank God nobody asked me to come back. I wasn't put in that in that position. Right. Well, thank God for that. But there's one other thing I have to say, which just because I'm involved in social media and Internet, it was absolutely incredible that here I was sitting in the center of where everything was happening, and my source of information was Facebook and Twitter. That You know, it's, and, fu- it's funny that you say that. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's funny that you say that because I felt the exact same way when we had no power and we had no heat and we were displaced and not in our home, et cetera. And I hadn't forget that I hadn't seen a newspaper. Like nothing was happening except for sitting online for gas and, and, and trying to figure out what our next step was. And, and everything was, you know, tohu vavohu and, or, you know, as, as I like to akin the five towns sometimes as it was Lord of the Flies. And um, all I know is that I was getting information off of Facebook. It was the best source of information and, and it was consistent. And it was accurate. It's genuine. Exactly. It's <laughs> genuine. You know, the same way you'd get a, a Facebook post of this gas station has no line right. is the same way we got posts of saying we just heard a siren and afterwards we heard a boom or whatever it was. Like, And that was information you weren't going to hear immediately from the news websites. Right. Um, although on Twitter I did follow the IDF that had their own Twitter and they were very good about posting the facts immediately as they happened. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, Erev Shabbos, when that um, – when that bomb, when that missile fell in the gush, all that they, all I had heard on the news was that it fell somewhere in, I think either they said Alon Shfut or Gush Etzion, but it was on Facebook that I had, that I read that it fell in a field. So of course, like for exactly. the, for of course, for the first couple of minutes, all of a sudden I'm thinking about everyone I know who lives in the gush, and it's Shabbos there, and I can't call, and et cetera, et cetera, and then I read on Facebook, God bless, it fell in a field. I'm like Baruch Hashem. Exactly. Yeah, so for all we can complain about Facebook being uh, sucking up all of my time or whatever else, you know, I guess it does have its pluses and its minuses. Yes, it was definitely really powerful and helpful through this. Well, Joanna Shepson, it's funinjerusalem.com, all one word. Um, much hatzlacha to you, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks so much, and tell your, visitor, tell your listeners that they should be coming to visit Israel. Amen, as well should I. Anyway, thanks so much for joining me. Great. I've got a free Jeep ride for you when you come. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. <laughs> Bye-bye. Good night. Take care. You're listening to That's Life. I am Miriam L. Wallach. I am here on the beautiful Lower East Side, and um, we are on to our next guest, Dr. Scott Goldberg, back from Florida. The last time, actually, we spoke, we didn't talk about our uh, Teachable Moments segment, but Dr. Goldberg was on with us before Thanksgiving, am I right? I believe so. Excellent. So, Director of Yeshiva University's University School Partnership and the key to the Teachable Moments segment. Welcome back. Thanks so much. I really wanted to do it from Florida. You know, <laughs> Weinbaum Yeshiva High School said I could be back, but, uh, you know, this time I appreciate the uh, the cold of the north. Oh, by the way, be careful what you wish for because, you know, you know, it's supposed to be pretty cold. And actually, for the next couple of days, it's supposed to be really cold in L.A. Did you hear about this? I uh, I heard. You did, right? Yeah. It's... I'm going to call up Jimmy Kamenetsky and ask him for another room. <laughs> Next show's there. Yeah. By the way, I'm so about going on the road. Anyway, we have to talk about a bunch of different things, but specifically, 
Um, on the heels of a topic that I that I was on Fox about last week, which was that according to um, reports, six to twelve year old children, forty eight percent of six to twelve year old children are all expecting and requesting iPads for the holiday season as their gifts. Now it's only funny. And apropos, because at the beginning of the segment, I talked about how I had gone to the Apple store over the weekend, not because I was getting my kids a gift, but because my iPad was broken and I needed to either get it fixed or replaced. But all I knew was that, as I had talked about before, and Avrami mentioned the fact that he thought I was at a fruits and vegetables store, but we got past that. Anyway, um, right, you can blink all you want, but that's really what he said. Anyway, the um, there was an express checkout line for um, iPad and iPod purchases. So they knew that this was the hot ticket item and people were just buying them left and right like they were M&Ms, like they cost nothing. And I'm listening to conversations between kids and parents and kids are testing these iPad minis and this and the other thing. And I'm wondering, am I the only parent who's not going for this? I I think you are. I, uh, I, then I'm coming over to the Goldbergs. I have a few I'm therapists getting... <laughs> that you can bring your children to to deal with that. Yeah. By the way, that's always my answer when my kids uh, when my kids ask me for something that there's no way they're getting. I'm like, you know, talk to your therapist. <laughs> um, but you know, that's only partly funny. But anyway, so let, we have to talk about this. I mean, are, are we really are we really living in a society where things like this are just being bought willy nilly? And if they are, if they are, and if there's a parent who's saying, I don't mind indulging my kid once a year for their one big Hanukkah present and getting them something like this. How is how are we going to maintain or how are we going to maintain a balance between making sure that we give kids either what they want or what they think they can deserve or that special treat without bringing up brats? Well, I mean, I think that uh, you bring up the, the the question of the time, and it's not only a question around Hanukkah; it's a question throughout the year. Agreed, but um, now it's your same in Hakal. Now for it's sure. Pointed. Listen, we were dealing it with with around around Uggs a few weeks oh. ago. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't realize they were still in. I was hoping it kind of would cycle through. No, and um, by the way, they're not cheap. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. How many daughters do you have? I have one. Oh, it's tough. Right. <laughs> The, um, the, and her birthday was just the other day. Uh. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the, the real issue, um, becomes why you're getting your child an iPad or an iPod or whatever it might be from the Apple store. Although Bill Gates, I'm sure, is listening and will come up with a campaign for the Jews exactly. for the Hanukkah. But, um, you know, I think the question is why? Uh, you know, if, if it's, this is what my child can do with this device and that fits within our value system. So then it's just a device that allows you to be able to, you know, do that. Um, so if we're it, justifying it. I, I'm not justifying. It. I'm just saying if you're, if you can justify it in that way, so then I don't think it's as bad as you painted it. Okay. If it's I'm getting it because Susie, who sits next to me in class, is getting one, um, then I think it's the UG problem. Okay. Um, and I think that we have to define it that way. I, I think that it's perfectly fine, as you said, for a parent to say, "I'm going to indulge my child." Once a year, as many times as you're capable of doing that. Um, if it's driven because everybody else is indulging their child with something specific, uh, then I think that we're in trouble. And I think that parents need to step back and say, you know, what do we want for our children? Is the iPad going to allow them to do better with regard to their schooling? Or is it going to be able to provide an outlet for their creativity? Is it going to provide them an opportunity to be able to um, connect and network with their peers, whether locally or with family elsewhere? Is it going to be an opportunity for FaceTime 
with grandparents or with camp friends. Uh, what, is, what is the purpose of getting this device um, and how are we going to use it? Because even if you're going to get it for, uh, I'll say, the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, um, then you still have to be able to define how you're going to use it. And that parenting piece is really key once the, uh, the bubble wrap is, mm-hmm. is or the, 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 the wrapping, the packaging, the packaging yeah. is, is removed. The, um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday whose son is of bar mitzvah age and his bar mitzvah is in a couple of months and he is hocking his parents for an iPad mini. Hocking, hocking, hocking. And he's doing all the justifications, etc. And she said to him, in a couple of months, you're going to have a bar mitzvah. Hold out. See what happens then. You know, see what you get, what you don't get, etc. And make, and, and I'm not buying you anything now. And he says, but I'll use it for school, I'll use it for this. And she said to me, isn't he going to use a laptop when he gets into high school? And I said, no. If he's going to be taking notes on anything, he's going to be taking notes on an iPad and a keyboard. And I know that when I do work, let's say, in a Starbucks or somewhere else, I'm one of the only people who walks around with my laptop at this point. People are walking around with tablets. So are we, are we, um, I, I guess, hyper in terms of or like hyper teching our kids that or are we going along with the times and saying, all right, I know that this is the way it's going to be. So if I get it for you now, I'm justifying it for later. Or am I saying that, no, this really doesn't have a place now? Well, I mean, I think that there are a couple of things that are important to, to, to note. Um, number one, I think there, there was a teachable moment there. Um, okay. I think there is a teachable moment on a number of fronts. Number one, um, there's a teachable moment with regard to the parent discussing with the child um, that the, the idea of, of advancements okay. and that they could have, if they wanted to, advance money, knowing that when money comes in for the bar mitzvah, um, the child could have already had something that at this point would make sense. So when do you look to get advancements? When there's a deal that won't exist in a few months. Right. When there's an opportunity for using this now um, in school and not waiting three months to be able to utilize it for note-taking or for whatever other work that um, the child – or play that the child might have with the iPad mini. So and I think that there's a conversation there that would be a very important learning conversation for the uh, for the parent and the child um, that could take place and really you know change the the fr- you know frame the conversation differently. That's number one. Number two, I, I think the question about giving uh, and or giving presents or giving children these and investing in in the children in this way and giving them you know big ticket items. Um, I, I think it's a question of discussing you know giving and getting. And the concept of gratitude. And I think that that is a piece that I find is missing. It's a Magiali attitude. Mm. It's, it's this time of year, I'm getting it. Right. It's just a question of how I'm going to get it. I'm going to negotiate. I'm going to do this or that. But I have there, it coming to me. Right. But it's not a, it's not an, it's a teachable moment for parents to be able to discuss gratitude. Uh, what are they grateful for? Wh- who are they grateful for? Um, what are the gifts that they received over their lifetime that they appreciated the most? And why? Um, and, and what gifts did they give that they still remember giving to someone because that person appreciated it or needed it? You know, I still remember, um, you know, the, the Nerf soccer ball I got, which, you know, cost under five, you know, five dollars at the time, um, at, uh, you know, and, and, and I loved it as a Hanukkah present. Um, I also remember the pairs of socks that took two nights to get. Because it was one sock each night. And it was, <gasps> you know, great. and, and I think that there's a, an opportunity. Now, my parents didn't necessarily have this in mind, but the opportunity of, you know, a pair of socks 
you know, there's a teaching opportunity right. there of you wait for things and that you have the opportunity to get things that you need, not only get things you right. want. Um, and I'm not saying that people should give one pair of uh, sock <laughs> uh, one night and another one. I'm not saying that at my all. God, that's I don't totally want totally be I the highlight not, of my Hanukkah I do when not I pull want, this off. I do not want <laughs> to uh, be misquoted or misunderstood. Tell us but, to therapist. But, exactly. <laughs> I, I will. There you go. Um, but the, um, uh, but, you know, this will be the conversation of my dinner table with my wife. Like, what are you talking? My parents will say, well, we never did that. Sure. sure yes. <laughs> so, um, but, but the, but the reality here is that there are opportunities for conversations that don't take place between parents and children. And I'm not suggesting that those conversations have to be lectures. They shouldn't be. Right. They should be conversations. Um, but they should also be conversations that are open and that might very well lead to getting the iPad mini, but within the context of, Giving, getting, understanding what our values are with regard to that and the concept of gratitude. That is, that's an incredible point. That is definitely a very important point. It's not, it's not necessarily about withholding that item. It's about making sure that if that item is given, it's given within a context. And I think that that's, that, that's an incredible point. I was talking in continuing this conversation with this friend of mine about her son. I said that my kids had already come to me and said, are we going to get books? Is there going to be a night of books? And she said to me, she said, I always give a night of books. She said, it's always the Friday night that that, er- that Arab Shabbos gift. She goes, but it's always with a pair of pajamas. She said, and that becomes their package. And they know that that night it's like fuzzy slipper and, you know, that Friday night it's fuzzy slipper night and a new book. And she said, so for that, for them, it becomes much more palatable. And I thought that that was a great idea. Not so much at, uh, both things are useful. Both things are needed. And and there's a, definitely a value in that, but also it couches a little bit that educational aspect that you want to give. Like not every gift is about fun and lights and something that you know that makes noise. Well, it's interesting. I, I, certainly, um, that's the case. I, the, the 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 history of giving, um, certainly uh, giving guilt, Hanukkah guilt, right. um, comes from the fact that this time of year, Hanukkah time, was the time that parents would give bonuses. Give money to the mechanchim mm. for their children, and in order, and they would give it to the children to bring to school, and they'd say, "Here's for the Rebbe, and here's a little for you." Um, so that's the that's the background. Fifteen years in education that never happened. Um, yeah. So the, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but the um, <laughs> but 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 so the notion of um, it doesn't all have to be um, you know material. It doesn't all have to be about you. Right. Um, is already built into this concept of giving. And I want to add on in terms of this piece of materialism. And it doesn't all have to be about materialism. Um, you know, last year uh, we did something that um, I'm sure we will not be honored as parents of the year for. <laughs> uh, certainly not by our children, and probably not by others who are listening um, or their children after they decide that they're going to take this advice. Um, but we did something which was to move giving away from the material altogether. I think we might have given one night, maybe two nights of a book or of a toy or, or something along those okay. lines, pajamas, right. slippers. I think I got a tie. Um, the, <laughs> um, but we also gave ourselves. And what we did was we asked each child what they'd want to give to everyone else in the family uh, in terms of themselves. And, you know, even our little one, who at the time, I think, was six and a half, uh, or middle one was six and a half, because uh, the little one was one. He wasn't doing <laughs> this. Um, but he wrote, you know, things like 15 minutes of playing football. Outside, you know, wow. with, with, with daddy. Um, there was, someone else was, you know, read five good night books. Um, mm. uh, it was, you know, 
five hugs, you know, like things that are just like silly in some ways, but that are even more meaningful than the pair of slippers, you know, for sure. Um, and I think it's also contextual. If you know, you could you can make the those kind of things palatable right. uh, if you also give the slippers or the iPad Mini, um, but. If you make it so that the whole family is involved in it, and tonight we're going to get the coupons. Tonight we're going to get the the envelope of right. the coupon. What is Daddy giving me? What is Mommy giving me? What is you know? What are my siblings giving me? And what am I giving each of them? Uh, and then we actualize that over time. It doesn't have to be right away. It's not that night. It could be over the next couple of weeks. But you get those coupons and you hold on to them. And they were on my dresser um, for those next couple of weeks. And, and to spend them and to be able to get that 15 minutes of playing in the backyard with your kid, right. um, you know, to me was was quite meaningful and really made Hanukkah much more about the family. It is a home holiday, right? right? Much more about the family uh, than just about Apple. Just about Apple. That is a that is a great idea. You are listening to That's Life. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, joined by Dr. Scott Goldberg, who is always here when we're talking about teachable moments. We uh, or you know when we call him in Florida. We uh, we always appreciate when you come in. I, I I think that one of the one of the one of the topics that or I should say one of the concerns that I was reading about and doing research for this segment was always the was the um, how do I put this lightly? Well, I don't really put things delicately, so I might as well just say it, uh, was the grandparent aspect. The people who just want to shower their grandchildren or the kids with whatever they want. They're not in charge of, you know, grandparenting is an amazing, amazing opportunity. You get to spoil the kid, and then you get to give the kid back. And when there's parenting or discipline that needs to go on, you give the kid back. When there's a diaper that needs to be changed, you give the kid back. And that's great. And I'm not asking for grandparents to do any differently. However, there's always that moment of, I said that they couldn't get that. Well, you know, Bubby or Grandma or whoever already bought it. So how do you, as a parent, balance what your morals, your values are with that grandparent need to shower? And by the way, there is a real value in the grandparent need to shower. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. There's a tremendous that. value in right. it. And I think we all have to look in the mirror and recognize that sometimes those same grandparents are showering their children yeah. and getting certain <laughs> things. And that, you know, to, to, to shut off that valve. faucet, that right. valve <laughs> is, is, is sometimes personally painful. Exactly. Is bad. Um, so we have yeah. to recognize that. Right. I, you know, I, I think that it might be even a little too late to have this conversation today. Um, you know, these are the kind of conversations that need to be ongoing and certainly well in advance of Hanukkah, let's say, as a time of giving or a yantif as a time of giving, uh, for grandkids. Uh, this is where it's not mom or dad, I told you that, you know, you know, Shmuel can't have those or Sarah can't have those um, or I didn't want to get those for him. I can't believe you got that. Why didn't you discuss it with me? Um, move that conversation to a uh, mom, dad, the holidays are coming up. And I'd like to discuss with you what we're planning to do for our kids. And we'd like your help in doing that. Or we'd like to discuss what you're planning on doing for our kids. So, so it's not an overstepping. I, well, because again, I, you know, my, my mother-in-law God bless her. I adore her. She reminds me all the times that all the time that grandparents have rights. So there is, it's true that grandparents have they legal do. rights. 100%. And you're not going to, you're not going to stop them. I'm not suggesting that you're yeah, ever going to have. Don't start with my mother-in-law. Scott. I'm not starting with, <laughs> I've started with everybody. I've started with my mom today, my father. This is bad yeah, news. I'm not going home. Thank Where God. can I, can I stay over? Um, yeah, but we have the, power. You're yeah, more than welcome. Thank to you very over. much. I appreciate that. No problem. I appreciate that. Um, the, not all the traffic lights work, but there are power in my house. That's great. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> 
No, the point is not to fight with in-laws, and I certainly don't. Uh, now I'm like going to be misquoted throughout this segment, but um, <laughs> the um, not to fight with in-laws, but 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 the notion is is just to try to get as close to on the same page as possible. Um, and I, I think that that's the kind of thing where you know it's also good for your kids to know that you've had those conversations with your you with your parents, even if the parents parents are going to buy the gifts for their grandkids anyway, even if they're going to do that. I think it's important for your children to know that you are discussing these things and that this is something that you ultimately agreed to um and um and that it's not a fight between you and mm. it's not a you know a, uh it's not a it's not values that are misaligned uh that you value the fact that the right. grandparents are giving gifts um the challenge is is exactly as you noted you know when when your kids walking down the street with certain boots or right. with an ipad mini and um and you didn't buy it for them and you couldn't necessarily afford it for them. Um, what happens next in terms of other people's perspectives? I mean, I think that we all collectively in our community need to understand the power of grandparents. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and we also have to understand that uh, as, as children with parents uh, that we have to say Baruch Hashem, thank God that we have those parents there to be able to shower our kids with those kind of gifts. You know, I say that, you know, a very similar thing with regard to shuls and kids running around. You know, people complain about kids running around shuls and we say, wait, wait, you know, wait a second, you know, would you rather the shul have no children mm. right so same thing like would we really rather not have grandparents being able to give gifts to their grandchildren you know, we look at generation two generations right. ago and how many people don't have grandparents um, and didn't have grow up with grandparents you know i was blessed to grow up with four great grandparents in my lifetime wow um and they, they i knew them it wasn't like they died when i was one or two one died when i was nine one when i was 11 one when i was 16 and one when i was 21 so i really knew them i learned with them what a i had shabbos meals with them i really understood what it meant to have not only one generation but i saw what it meant to have my parents have grandparents mm. um and or at least my mother and on my mother's side and and that is something that we shouldn't lose sight of when we're having this conversation with our parents um about giving to our children and we should also use it as an opportunity um to not just have it be an opportunity for our children to say magili it's coming to me right. i expect that bubby or zadie or whoever it might be will give this to me but it's an opportunity for gratitude Again, and for them to understand that there are people in the world who don't have grandparents, who don't have parents, who don't have the opportunities that we might have to right. get, that means that we have the obligation, the responsibility to give. There's, um, no, that's, that's, you know, it is the power, it is the power of grandparenting. And it's funny because I, there, there's rarely a day that goes by that I don't miss my grandparents. And it's not about the untifs and it's not about this. It's just a daily recognition that my grandparents are all gone and my, Kids, Kanainahara, are are very lucky to have great grandparents, and thank God, actually, on my husband's side, there are five generations who are who are well and alive and healthy. Bali um, Ainhara, Baruch Hashem, it's just it, it's a blessing to see everyone together that there are great great grandparents who are holding that fifth generation. It's it's a remarkable. It makes everything even that much more remarkable. But when it comes to you know, giving those big ticket items and just going back to that a second. Every once in a while, you know, I hear the words when my kids are asking me for something or, you know, when the newspapers come and all those circulars on the inside, the Toys R Us calendar and then this and then that, it all comes in and my kids are sitting there and they're salivating over everything and they look, oh, this is 147.99, but here it's 146.99, so we'll get it there. I'm like, what does we'll get it there mean? At the end of the day, I make, I, I constantly make two comments. Number one is get a job. And number two is I'm in charge. 
And so I think it's also important in terms of gift giving is to either, A, try and meet your kids midway. They can increase responsibilities in the house. They can do more babysitting. They, they can this, they can that, in order to partner with you on getting that item that they're that they're looking for. There is obviously value in being able to work hard and say, this is what I got for my work, and there's a pride in that. But also there's a sense of responsibility. And something that always concerns me is making sure that my kids develop a work ethic at a young age so that when they are older, they have that work ethic. Because the last thing we need is a generation of people who are of, of employees who have that Magiali attitude. Because then we don't have people who are going to work hard. And I sort of feel, and you can tell me I'm being too hard, but I feel that making kids responsible at a young age for being partners in these items or in certain things in general and giving kids responsibilities in the home so that they can work up to whatever that is will help build and, and, and ensure that we are also raising kids who will become adults with that kind of work ethic. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I would just add one piece, which sure. is just like grandparents sometimes have the prerogative just to give, parents shouldn't forget that these mm. are their children and they should just sometimes give. Um, it, everything doesn't have to be earned. Interesting. And, um, and, and I think too often um, we forget that. You know, and I think Hanukkah is a perfect time to be able to right. think about that. Um, you know, God sometimes doesn't just say, you deserve this. He creates miracles. Um, and I think that there are mm. opportunities for parents to, um, to have that relationship with their children where they know that their kids give. They know that their children have responsibilities and they earn lots of different things. But at the end of the day, more than just clothing, food and shelter, um, parents, can sometimes just give and um, and should just give. That's um, that's a very <laughs> that is a very good piece of muster, especially for somebody like me. I um, there, it, talking to somebody about this, he, he had said to me, he's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm too tired to say no. It's so much easier to say yes. And I said, yeah, 100 percent. It's easier to say yes. I said, and then what? I'm like, and then what? I said, I get it. I get coming home from a, a long day at work. And not wanting to fight. I understand that. I said, but you can't think of no always as the power of no. But it's also a gift. Yeah, being able to say no to your child about something. And then having them develop problem-solving skills, understanding that not everything is coming to them, etc., is also a value that's important to impart. But I do hear what you're saying about also just giving. Sometimes there is a, definitely a place for that as well. I, I guess I would just add, again, just to, to push the fo- uh, forward the, the point, not to disagree at all, um, but really just to add, I, I think there's a power to yes also. Hmm. I think there's a power to yes when it surprises your children because they sometimes – get into a rut. You sometimes get into a rut where the kids won't even ask for things because they're right. like, daddy will never do that or mommy will never do that. <laughs> right. They don't even ask. Sometimes they w- have a workaround even. Right. You know, and I-, I think that keeping your children aware that you're going to be, you know, uh, kind of sometimes surprise people, you know, that your yeses sometimes don't just come and, you know, they, they don't come randomly, but they come strategically right. uh, that you're really thinking about where I can do something where I might not, um, you know, it might not be something that our children expect. I think is really important. That's um, that's a great piece. You're listening to That's Life. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, and um, we only have a couple of minutes left with Dr. Goldberg, who has joined us for this Teachable Moments segment of Hanukkah. Tell me um, one night in the Goldberg household where nobody gets gifts. There has to be a night when nobody gets a gift. I have to imagine. 
Well, I could be all sappy and say, well, everybody gets a gift in the Goldberg house every night because they have each other. Oh, that is beautiful. But, um, and if I could uh, insert the violins here, I would. But right. Yeah. There's been a little bit too much nausea in my house already, <laughs> so um, no one in my house will be listening to that. Uh, but um, so I, I, I have to say that, uh, to be honest, I haven't even had the conversation with my wife yet. I really want to have a night where everyone has to has to pick, like maybe like the last night of Hanukkah, everyone has to pick something that they got and give it away. I, that's certainly a, that uh, is, that is like part of my goal here is that you, that you have to, or, or you have to take some of your Hanukkah guilt that you got and you have to buy something for someone who does not live in our house. That there are so many people in the five towns and there are so many people who have been displaced by Sandy and, and there are so many people who are just on, on a given day lacking or missing or, or, or wanting that there has to be a moment where my kids say, I'm taking the night off. I'm doing something for someone else. Well, I, Yes. Um, and I, and I, again, I think that taking, I think there are a couple of messages of taking so the night off. I'm so sick of hearing I want, that I want somebody to say I want to give. Great. So I think the why I want to give. Also, I want to give something other than a, something material. Okay. Um, I think is an important takeaway. I want to get something that's not just material. Mm. Um, I think is an important step forward also. And again, I, I haven't had the conversation with my wife yet. Uh, probably come in the next day or so right. uh, where we think through these issues. Uh, but I certainly encourage others to have those conversations um, internally with the, the parents, uh, but also with, with their parents, with the grandparents um, and also with their children. You know, what what does this holiday mean to us? If it's just about looking at the Toys R Us ads and figuring out how to be a good consumer. Great. That's a wonderful lesson, being a good consumer. But if it also means how do I improve on my gratitude in my ability to give, but also in my ability to get, um, and how do I interact with others in that giving? Is it only, and getting, is it only going to be material? Is it going to be giving of myself? Is it going to be giving time? Is it going to be giving things that surprise people? Um, those are the kind of things that I would hope are part of the conversations between children and parents and between parents as they plan uh, to exercise their, uh, their values. Um, at this time. Well, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what happens in the Goldberg house over Hanukkah. I don't know <laughs> that my kids are going to be so excited that we had all these conversations, um, but uh, I very much, as always, appreciate when you join us. My pleasure. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam Elwal. Thank you for making us part of your day. Let's go through that lineup for the rest of the day so you know what to expect and certainly what not to miss right after That's Life. Join Randy Wartelski for something to talk about. She'll, ta- she'll tackle a new topic today than she has the other weeks previously. I'm sure knowing Randy, it's got something to do with Hanukkah. Then after Randy, there's the encore of Rivka Abbey. If you missed Rivka Abbey's show this week, you definitely need to listen in. 5 p.m., the OU presents the Jewish Reaction with Rabbi Yaakov Glasser. And immediately afterwards, it's the stunt show this week hosted by Gorf, Jordan B. Gorfinkel. And as you know, we say about the stunt show, you never know what you're going to get. The Thursday Night Extravaganza is on from 7 to 8, followed by Spin Class, Politics with Michael Fragan, and then an all-new presentation of the Book of Life with Charlie Harari at 9. Finally, the day closes with an hour of Jewish soul, Jewish soul with Charlie Bernhout. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM and AM live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com and JMandAM.org, and as always on 91.1 FM. Do not miss tomorrow night, uh, Saturday nights, I should say, Thursday, Saturday night Siegel. It is definitely not Friday. I don't know what I just said. Hosted by our one and only Avrami Finkelstein, live here at 10 p.m. only on the stream. And as you know, JM Sunday with Matis is still in full swing. He is getting uh, uh, unbelievable feedback. I really encourage you, if you have not already listened to show to the show, to do that. Make sure to catch him from 7 to 9 
on the stream, NahumSiegel.com and jmtheam.org. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. on NahumSiegel.com. I want to thank everyone who has already sponsored me as I run with Team Yachad this January in the ING Half Marathon in Miami, including my husband who sponsored me this week. Thank God. I ask everyone listening, do what you can. Go to miami.teamyachad.com. Team Yachad is all one word. That's miami.teamyachad.com. You can put my name in the sponsor a runner search on the top right-hand corner. It will lead to my page. Anything you can give will be appreciated. I will personally thank you as well. I want to thank you in advance for anything that you can give. All donations are gratefully accepted. And also, if you are a runner and you would like to run with me in Miami, you can email me at miriam at nachamsegel.com, and I will tell you how. I thank you. My thanks, I should say, to Joanna Shepson from Fun in Jerusalem. You can find her at funinjerusalem.com and to Dr. Scott Goldberg for his teachable moment. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot, and I hope my kids learn a lot this Hanukkah as well. I leave you today with another track from Neshama's Jaywalking CD. This is track number nine. It's called Kain Tielanu. Ah, Kain Tielanu. That's life, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Bye, guys. <laughs>